Welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo, and I am, as always, excited to be with you. Uh, you may be watching us live, as a matter of fact, on our Facebook uh, page called A New Direction Podcast. If you go to add A New Direction Podcast, we actually do this live and uh, every Thursday. And I, I love doing this. This is really cool. We just started the page. And uh, we've been reposting some of the podcasts and things that we've done. We've actually been doing this thing privately now for a while. And we've done it under group, kind of testing out everything, trying to make sure everything works. But today is really a great show. I'm really, really excited about being with you because uh, we, got, we have got just a, a tremendous um, couple guests. I mean, well, it's one guest, but they're, they're a team. Well, I guess... Well, they're husband and wife, okay? And so they're an amazing, amazing, uh, just just, uh, just amazing couple. They're, they're doctors um, Michael Grossman and his wife, uh, Dr. Barbara Grossman, and they have written a book called Marriage Map. And uh, so I am, I am really excited because I just read the book, and the book is, by the way, I'll show you the book here if you're watching live. There's the book, The Marriage Map. And it's not it's not a real long read, and we'll talk about it again and as we go along. So what do I do every week? I do this. I check in with you. Where are you at on a scale of 1 to 10? Where are you at physically right now? Are you good, which is a – are you great is a 10? Are you average, which is a 5? Or are you a 1, which means that you're not doing well physically at all, whether you're sick or – Maybe it's an illness, or maybe you're just not taking care of yourself. Maybe you're not going to the gym. Maybe you're not uh, eating right. Maybe you're not doing any of those things to take care of yourself, right? So when I ask you where you're at physically, give yourself a number between 1 and 10. And then what I want you to do is I want to ask you this question. What are you going to do about it? How can you improve that number? How can you take that from a 4 to a 5 or a 3 to a 4 or a 5 to a 6 or a 6 to a 7? How can you improve that? And what are you going to do? What are you going to commit to to change yourself physically, right? Because I'm telling you, we, we talk about it, but you know what? Our physical bodies, this is it. This is all we get. We don't, we don't get any more than this. So if we're not taking care of it, we're not, we're not doing ourselves any favors. And then I'm going to ask you the next one on a scale of 1 to 10. How are you doing mentally? Okay, so what do you mean, Jay, mentally? Well, so what are you filling your mind with? What are you reading? What are you learning? How are you growing in your mind? Are you learning a new language? Are you, are you reading something that's stimulating? Or are you just stimulating your thought processes? Are you learning? Mentally, what I'm asking really here is, how, what are you learning new? What are you doing to expand your mind? How is your mind growing? Right, we you you know right, and I've said this before. I was at a conference on books because I write books. As a matter of fact, you can get Got Social Mediology, which is the name of my current book that's in bookstores, and, and and you can go grab it. And I'm at this conference on books and book selling and readers. And Wharton College was there, and they said that r literally only eighty about eighty three million people in the United States actually buy books. Only eighty three million out of four hundred fifty million. Think about that for a second, okay? And then, and then what they said is something like 
30, only 33 million of that 83 million actively read, right? And, and then when they do read, most of it is fiction, okay? Folks, you can't, it's hard to grow your mind on fiction. Listen, I'm all for reading, right? Okay, so it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm all for reading. But I want you to mentally, where are you going to go to grow yourself? And, and how are you going to do that? What are you doing? What are you learning? How are you growing? And then third, I want to ask you, and an emotional, where are you a scale one to ten? Where are you at emotionally? And you say, Jay, what do you mean emotionally? Well, so if you've not joined us before, what I mean emotionally is how are you at controlling your emotions? Or do you let little things get to you? Are you a rager? Or are you someone who is just is so easily emotional that you're having a hard time controlling your emotions? We call that emotional intelligence, by the way, when we're able to control our emotions and understand the emotions of others, which, by the way, is, I'm asking you on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel like you're doing emotionally? you feel pretty solid? you feel like you're pretty control of your emotions? What can you do to change that, right? What can you do to make that happen? And then finally, the fourth dimension, because I believe we're four-dimensional people, is on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you spiritually? Where are you when it comes to connecting outside yourself, Right? Where are you when it comes to not being happy? I'm not asking you to be happy because happy is relative, okay? I'm, I'm talking about peace inside you, right? Where there's this, there's this, just this peace where you know that you can be centered. And, and people go, I don't believe in spiritual things. Well, it, folks, the, the truth of the matter is there is so much that we cannot explain mentally, emotionally, or physically, okay? All that other stuff is spiritual, okay? So you, we're connected to something. I promise you, whether you're connected to God or whether you're connected to nature or whether you're connected to something else, I promise you you're connected to something outside of yourself that gives you hope, that gives you faith, that, that helps you to believe. Even if it's yourself, right? Some people will say, well, I'm not connected to anything. The only thing I believe in is me. Well, then you make yourself your own God. So be it. I mean, But typically we do connect to something. Something brings us an inner peace somewhere outside of ourselves. And so how are you doing in that area? Are, are you growing? Right. Remember, the, the whole thing about when it comes to the mental, the physical, the mental, the emotional, and spiritual is you never are stagnant. Okay? We're never stagnant. You're either growing or you're dying. You never stay the same. That, that's the truth. Now, we lie to ourselves and we say, oh, you know, I'm still a four or I'm still a five. You know, I'm still average from week to week. But the truth of the matter is, you're either growing or dying. And that leads me to the guests that we're about to call here, uh, the Grossmans. And they're going to talk about marriage today. And I know that I, we have a lot of listeners who are married and some who want to be married. And, you know, marriage is hard. I'm not going to lie to any of you. If you're married, you know full well that marriage is a difficult thing to do. If you're not married, you're all excited and you're planning the wedding and all that type of stuff. And and it's, it's really exciting, but I'm telling you, it, it's difficult. And the two people that we're going to talk to here in just a few minutes have written this amazing book called The Marriage Map um, that you are looking at right there, The Marriage Map. And, and so we're going to call them right now, and we're going to talk to them about marriage. And so here we go. Let's try to get a hold of them right now. on my video. I don't know that you want to see me on video, but I'll do it anyway, just so that I just so that you can see my, my smiley face. Hey everybody, uh, by the way, we're on we're on Facebook Live, uh, New Direct. And um, anyway, this is the book we're gonna talk about today called The Marriage Map and 
I have read it cover to cover. It's uh, been well-worn and well-read, and I fell in love with this book. This uh, My wife and I talked about this book all night last night, and we, we spent a lot of time just chatting about it, and it's so well-written, and it's so... Uh, it's it, it's it's a great book and it's deep. Uh, this is a deep book. This is not uh, for the part. This is uh, this is an ama- It's an amazing book. And uh, as somebody who has a psychological background, I found it fascinating. I found it interesting, and I found it absolutely uh, engaging. And I, I indulged myself over and over and over again. And so, before we go too far, what I would really like to do, if you allow me, is I'd like to do. An introduction of both of you to our listeners um, who are are all listening all over the world. So let me talk to you about the two authors, Barbara Grossman and, of course, Michael Grossman. Barbara Grossman, Dr. Barbara Grossman, has a background in psychology and theology. She's majored in philosophy and psychology at New York University. She's completed her master's in religion at Columbia University and holds a Ph.D. in theology and counseling from the Claremont School of Theology. She is licensed as an individual marriage and family therapist. Her training includes pastoral counseling with ministers who were cross-trained in individual psychotherapy and marriage and family counseling. In addition, she worked with psychologists and psychiatrists in a hospital and group practice setting. Dr. Michael is a board-certified family physician and a fellow of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. He has been practiced since 1978 in nutritional and preventative medicine and has treated thousands of patients with an integral holistic approach. Since 2003, Dr. Grossman has incorporated the latest technological advances into his practice of medicine, including laser skin rejuvenation and non-surgical facelifts. He has specialized in anti-aging and regenerative medicine. Uh, He uses bioidentical hormone replacement to assist men and women to reverse the effects of aging on their emotional and physical well-being. And in 2014, Dr. Michael began using adipose stem cell investigational protocols for a wide variety of degenerative diseases. He is a graduate of New York School of Medicine. Uh, He was an assistant clinical professor at University of California at Irvine. And the list goes on and on. If I keep going, I'm going to take up the whole show just talking about the two of you and all your accolades. So before I go any further, thank you for being on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. I'm so excited that you enjoyed the book. I, I really did. And I want, to talk, I want to ask you some questions about this book because, uh, you know, as I read it from cover to cover, and I... I was... It really stimulated some thought because i got to, got to tell you, I was not ready for the Percival trip, okay? That was, that was the first thing I wasn't ready for. And then you got me, Dr. Barbara, you got me on the Psyche and Eros uh, story. Okay, so you got to help me understand. First of all, let's, let's just simplify this down. Why did you write it? Well, I want, I want uh, couples all over America to know that there's inevitable disconnections in our bond with our partners and that does not need to mean that we separate and divorce that it's really an opportunity an invitation for growth and that we really need you know skills to learn to talk to each other and grow through these passageways and that will grow us evolve our personalities over a lifetime it will grow our families it will secure our culture Uh, i mean just like um americans no longer can talk to each other um 
uh, in the macro sphere and in, in the in micro reality, husbands and wives are not able to talk to each other. And we teach couples how to do that. And we teach them the big picture of what the disconnections are so that we don't misunderstand them. That's awesome. Okay, so Michael, what was your perspective? You know, why you wanted to be a part of this collaboration on the marriage map? So my own story and Barbara's story is very personally in there. And, and the most significant thing that I do is to share our experience with other couples. I heal people in all kinds of ways as a medical doctor. But emotionally, the most fulfilling thing in my life is to share how the process of marriage and all the intensities that are inherent within it, how that can fulfill your life. And we do that through sharing ourselves and our story. We share that we've had three marriages, Barbara and I, as if. First marriage, we're 20, 10 years, we do whatever I want, and it's a great marriage, I love it. Second marriage, Barbara goes back to graduate school, thinks for herself, has her own ideas, her own point of view. Four years of just hell. It was so difficult. And we had to learn, and, and we didn't learn the, uh, that much from counseling. We learned it mainly from being in programs and groups and, and growing and learning, and then we want to share what we have learned. This is what's needed in modern culture and modern life and modern marriages is so different than what was 200 years ago. You know, I so agree. And, you know, marriage is, I, I, before you got on the show, I was talking the first 10 minutes and I gave a little preempt about marriage is difficult. It, it just, it's, it's, it's not easy. I mean, I'm married. I mean, by the way, this is my second marriage. Okay. And, uh, and, I would, you know, I fell in that innocence and then, you know, moved, you know, to the orphan. And I was probably married Maury as an orphan and she was an orphan. And so here were two orphans trying to get married together. And of course, then we're trying to be caretakers. And at the same time, we're trying to be warriors in school. And it was a, just a disaster. But I have said repeatedly when I speak at weddings, and I do a lot of speaking, and of course, I write and speak around the country. And I've said repeatedly, you know, after the honeymoon comes a marriage. The honeymoon is easy. The honeymoon is so easy. It is so psyche and eros at the beginning of their relationship. He stabbed himself with his own arrows. You know, don't look at my face. Let's just have this mad, passionate, making love session every night. That's the honeymoon, right? Okay. But then the honeymoon's over, right? And now we have a marriage to deal with. And all of a sudden... Uh, I, I think I've once heard it said, right? Before you get married, keep your eyes wide open. When you get married, keep your eyes half shut. <laughs> <laughs> because all of a sudden now, oh my gosh, you actually squeeze the toothpaste in the middle, right? Why do you? Why did you leave the spoon in the peanut butter? You know, all these little things start to happen. And I noticed in your book, though, you take a really great approach of taking us through these different stages. And so this is where I'm leading with this. So walk us through the stages from, you know, I mean, because we can get married in any one of these stages. Am I, am I wrong when I read that? Oh, you could. That's correct. Mm -hmm. All right. So walk us through these, walk us through simply, if you can. I know this is asking a lot, but walk us simply through the stages. That you well, see. The stages. So the best way to understand it is just to start out, you're a newborn baby, 
It's you and the breast, and you're one with it, and you're intimate. You get to be two years old, <clears throat> you now want to be separate from your mother, and you want to say no and have it your way, and there's a big push and pull there, because you're, you're feeling more independent. You get to be five, six, seven, you love being part of the family. Brothers and sisters, parents, you just love being part of the family. It's just so great. You're intimate to all those things you love. Get to be 13, 14, you want to be independent again. You don't want to be part of the family too intimately. You want it to be your own way. You get to be 20-something, early 30, you're now married, you have your own family. You, you again, love to be intimate to all those things. <clears throat> get to be late in your, in, your, in your 30s or 40s. You've had enough of the family stuff. You want your own career, you want your own hobbies, you want your own space. And then you get to be in your 50s, 60s. Once again, you love being part of the family, grandparent, grandchildren. You have, so you're going back and forth. You will continue to go back and forth. And the question is, where will your partner be? And depending upon that, there's a whole lot of different interactions. Right, Barbara, because I see that you're ready to talk. So go ahead. So there's predictable disconnections. You know, when you first get married, you're, you, you're together, you're connected, and you're probably caretakers together. And um, in, in a um, traditional lifestyle, um, you uh, may have children, which keeps the, the, the woman in a caretaking role. And um, the husband gets to develop, the man gets to develop his career possibly um, first, and that puts him in a warrior position. So already you have, um, you're in different, you're di in different places. A woman wants to belong and connect. A man wants to focus on himself. A woman will complain that a man isn't um, isn't compassionate, isn't sharing enough. He's not interested in intimacy. He's interested in developing his work, his life. Uh, self-expression um, a woman so and a man will look, will look at his caretaker wife and, and experience her as boring because she's not as um, adventurous and on the cutting edge of self-expression so um, already you have a breakdown in a relationship within the first five years um, now now if you have an understanding of this of these different places a woman can help her husband learn compassion and empathy and a man can help develop his wife and to grow her self-expression. You can actually use this information to develop yourselves and develop your relationship. But if you don't understand that, it looks like your world's apart and disconnected. And, and, and that's where the trouble starts. A man will find, uh, find a woman at work who shares his passion for his, his uh, life work. And um, so there's an opportunity for um, another kind of relationship. There's all different ways in which this plays out. But uh, this information, this, 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 these disconnections are, uh, are you know, really affect the way we experience our partnerships. And we need to understand them so we don't misinterpret them. You know, I love, I love what you wrote in the book, both of you. By the way, I, I thought it was absolutely both interesting and it was also... Um, it was also kind of I was I was I don't know what to say I guess it was how two people write a book and make it blend together can be so difficult as an author it, it, it I can't imagine having two separate people because you guys are really you know you make it really clear that yes you're together but at the same time you're individual entities with each other and so you know, to be able to write a book, and Michael, you start the book, and 
you know, I, you start the book, you're closing your eyes, and I'm doing it, by the way, if people are wondering what I'm doing, I'm actually playing the book in my head. He closes his eyes, he asks God to basically give him something, right? And he opens his eyes, and here's this tree, metal is sticking out of the tree, and it's the fence that has that the tree has engulfed over the time. And as a, as a, as a, you know, as a guy who was raised in the plains of Nebraska, okay, you painted this beautiful picture because we've had fences that were overtaken by trees. So I knew exactly when you painted the picture and, 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 and how that tree accepted the fence. And then you go into the story of playing the Dungeons and Dragons game with your daughter in the Commodore 64 and unplugging the computer and not letting go of the knights instead of swallowing it to the whirlpool. And as you're painting this picture for me of your life story, I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself, what were... What were what was your thoughts about Barbara? What was really what was really your thoughts about Barbara's in your relationship? Well, for a long time, <clears throat> I thought that she was in the way of my spiritual growth. Right. She was defense. She was there to protect me in the beginning and, and, and take care of me, but now she's in my way, and she's a problem. If it wasn't for her, I would be out in a cave somewhere in India meditating and getting enlightened. But I have her, and it's a real annoyance. She's holding me back from what I need. That was my that was my idea. And all these experiences happened one after the other. Realized not only is she not the fence, but she is the process. She is she is the the mechanism by which. She allows me to grow into the next level. It's kind of like the oyster inside the uh, in the clam and the little rock there, and turns into the that that and, and, and that becomes the pearl. And so, so that's the whole story. Is that each of us, the men and women, think that if, I, if I'm only I'm not with my husband, then my life would be great. I'm not with my wife, but no, that's what you need for your own personal growth. If not, you'd be neutral about it. You wouldn't have a lot of feelings one way or the other. I. I, I think one of the things that you typify, and I hate I hate generalizing any category, whether it's male or female. I hate doing that because it just is so wrong. But I think for most men, we struggle in marriage in our emotional response back to our wife. I don't. I think if we were honest with ourselves. You know, we're still probably trying to connect with our mom. I mean, you, you know, I, you talk a lot about your parents and you're connecting with your parents. And uh, the story about your dad is just heartfelt and touching uh, when he was dying. And, and and I felt like there was this tension even with your mom and Barbara. I love, I love the fact because you are so like my wife. My wife is the one who has to push me. And I always say my wife can make me run through a brick wall because she said so. Okay. <laughs> and so... But I, I, I can, I can still, I can just picture Barbara, you going and saying to to Michael and saying, "Honey, you got to tell your mom we are not going to stay with her the whole time, that we're going to go see." I can hear her say that, right? Because I need that push. I, I'm, I'm, my wife needs to give me that push because I'm not thinking. I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about my own selfish, you know. I'm trying to reconnect with my mom here. Okay, I'm. I'm I'm trying to do this because I feel that this is important. And I think guys to get outside of ourselves, and I'm not saying it's not hard for women, but it's it certainly was hard from my perspective to get outside of myself to tell my wife, oh my gosh, I'm not paying attention to you. I mean, she had to have a come to Jesus meeting with me literally and say to me, you know what? I'm not first. 
she said exactly what you said, Barbara. And here's what if you you got to read the book because it's amazing. But she says basically, look, I don't care if you put God first in your life. I can I can live with that. But but your job and everything else, your meditation and all this other stuff, that can't be that can't be second. I need to be that. And my wife had that same talk with me, and it changed. It was life changing because she got my attention finally. Right. I mean, is that kind of what happened? I mean, do you feel that sense of that same thing? I mean, that's kind of what I pull from the story. I don't know if that's underlined written there, but that's what it feels like. Absolutely. Uh, over and over, the stories continue and, and, and it gets more intense. That that quality of putting your wife first becomes a, a bigger intensity. In the beginning, it's just an intellectual thing. But then after a while, it actually you actually do it. You actually feel it, and it's a process. And we talk about in the book. I open the book up with a story from the um, uh, the great uh, Jewish uh, um, Rebbe, um, uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He talks about that a king is neither great nor a king without the queen, because it's the queen who empowers him to conquer his space. And the queen is not great without the king, because it's the king who empowers her to nurture her space. And then later, the king, too, can learn that he also can can nurture others. And the queen learns that she, too, can conquer. And they learn that from each other. So the process of growing and developing spiritually for a man is different than a woman. But you both have to learn from each other. And that's what, what I learned from Barbara. More and more, I learned to come from my heart. And all these experiences happened that encouraged me to do that. But... It, 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 that's what a man needs to learn. And the woman needs to learn that she needs to be logical about her emotions. She needs to not be overwhelmed by her emotions. So she has other other tasks, as you know, from uh, Psyche and Eros. She has her tasks, and the man from, from reading the story of uh, Percival has his tasks. So Barbara, so, Barbara, I want to ask you here from uh, the feminine side and from your side... Because I, I always ask my wife, I always ask her when, I said, do you think I'm weak? Because I won't sometimes stand up. I, I mean, I'll ask her, do you, do you think I'm weak? Because I'm six foot five inches tall and 260 pounds, and I lift weights like crazy. All right, I'm 54 years old, and, and I'm a, I still weight train and, and stay in shape and, uh, from my football days. And I go, do you think I'm weak? Because I won't stand up to this person. She didn't think I was weak. But she felt like I needed a nudge, <laughs> a push. I mean, how did you feel? I mean, did you feel like he was weak? Did you feel that when you had to push him, is that how you were feeling? Or what was your feelings when you were having to make those pushes? Well, you know, I, I, um, I think, you know, what I experienced is that at, very, at various times I have requests of Michael. And uh, it's, you know, looking backwards, every request I've made of him has has stimulated an important step in his own evolution. I don't know, um, as a, a woman, I'd say, um, I don't always have the confidence of what I want. That's, that's the challenge of being um, sometimes feminine. Um, but, um, you know, what I, in the instance with his mom, I just wanted to have time for my own parents in New York. And it was a, re- it was a request. I don't know that it was a, um, it wasn't a fight. Um, and it turned out the request, um, 
made a huge difference and and it just created a shift in Michael's relationship with his parents. I can't say I foresaw that. Just like I didn't foresee, you know, challenging Michael to be a son with his father, I didn't foresee the consequences of that. Um, I was just looking from my point of view. If Michael was going to be away from the family every other weekend to be with his dad, I wanted it to be meaningful. Uh, it It was a challenge that came from my spirit. And what it created was way beyond my expectations. Um, but it's, it has to do with you know, being in partnership and just telling your truth, saying what, you, saying what you want and having a partner that listens and, and um, digests what you say and does the best he can with it. And what we, you know, looking back, what we've seen is that the or, organic, organic experience of listening to each other's requests and following on them has grown our lives tremendously. And that's what we, we teach our couples, that if you listen to your partner, that is your pathway to evolution. And, you know, you keep, tell, you, you keep telling your truth, you keep um, sharing your hearts, and you keep growing together. And it's, an, it's a blueprint for life's, a life path. Awesome. Hey, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you're watching us on Facebook Live, or you're listening to us on the Jiggy Jaguar Experience, or you're listening to us on a podcast. I am talking to doctors Michael and Barbara Grossman. They have written this fabulous book called The Marriage Map. I'm holding it up right here. I'm going to hold it there, and I'm going to hold it up there to the camera because there's cameras looking at me right now. And so I'm going to hold it up there so you make sure you can see it. And hey, will you do yourself a huge favor? Do yourself a favor. Get to Amazon. Right away, I want you to go to Amazon right away. I just want you to look up the marriage map, the road to transforming your marriage from ordeal to adventure. You can get this on Kindle. You can get the paperback book. I'm telling you, it is going to be worth your time. I don't care if you're married, and I don't care if you've been married for 100 years, okay, or you're not married. You need to read this book because this book is life-changing. And not only am I going to suggest that you go there, but I'm going to ask you to go to themarriagemap.com. This is a fabulous website you need to check out. And as a matter of fact, if you, you can get your free copy of the number one Amazon bestselling book, The Marriage Map. If you go, there is a way that you can do that. You need to check it out. Check out their classes. Check out their media, their videos. They have a wealth of information that's going to help you grow in your marriage. And as I have often said, we never are, as I said earlier today, we are not stagnant. You're either growing or you're dying. That's it. There is no in-between here. You, you don't stay the same. As we, as we go through the stages of our life, you're going to have to make a choice. You're either going to grow together or you're going to grow apart. It, you're not going to stay the same. And so this book really does a fabulous job of explaining that. So please make sure you do that. And while you're at it, if you're a Facebook fan, why don't you check out the Marriage Map Facebook page? Because the Marriage Map Facebook page is absolutely there, available, and you can reach them and contact them in that way as well. And I'm telling you, again, it's just a tremendous book. The read is fabulous, and I loved it. And we're not done with them. I just am doing this because I have to do that every now and then, as I have to let you know. The and Barbara Grossman and their book, The Marriage Map, here on A New Direction with me, Jay Izzo, author of the book, Got Social Mediology. So let's, I want to talk to you, Barbara. I want to move to you because you used a word that my wife and I had been discussing since last night. All right? The word is called parentify. You said, and, and, and I, this is something that my wife and I deal with, talk about a lot, because as, as my psychological background and, and, of course, her all of her work in 
in her 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 psychology. She's a business owner. She's a fabulously talented. She's an amazing woman who owns her own business and she's highly successful and and is an icon in our area. And uh, we constantly are talking about how what did we marry? Did we marry our dad? Did we marry our mom or my dad? Who did I marry? You know, looking at the partner to fulfill the things that we didn't get from our parents. I think that's what you meant by parentify. Is that correct? Did I say that right? Well, we, um, you know, in our, in our course, we teach um, uh, we teach the skills that we believe couples need to um, grow their marriages. And one of the exercises we have, we have a way of, of having partners share um, the wounds, their wounds from childhood, and what they need from their partner to heal their wounds. Um, and so, in, in, and it's important that we understand that, and we know the behaviors that really uh, deliver on the healing. Um, so um, that's one way of getting at um, old hurts. When, uh, uh, parentify, I usually use the word parentify in connection with um, bringing a child into the marriage and elevating a child into the um, into the um, the adult. Uh, struck the adult uh, level of relationship, which is not a good idea. We believe that partners should put each other first, and uh, they should have a um, separation in the generations. And um, so, uh, I usually use the word "parentify" to to um, uh, to ref- uh, really re- respecting as a partner to and two people alone. Okay, so but I want I want to talk about this parent issue though. As we are adults, all right, because here I am, 54 years old, and I am constantly digging in. I mean, it happened this morning. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest, people. It happened this morning. My wife and I are talking. My parent, my mom, who's still alive, is about to come to the beach house, by the way, which is where I'm at right now. Um, I'm at our beach house, and I'm doing the show from here. But we were... My mom is about to come, and I have anxiety about that because, Michael, probably a lot like you, I always felt like maybe I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe that um, I couldn't measure up because I, 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 was, I lived in a very rule-guided home with a lot of rules, okay? And uh, we, I came from a family. If we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't chew, we don't hang around those that do, and there's nothing good after 10 o'clock at night, Okay. And I felt like I could never measure up to those rules. And I find that's affected me in my adulthood because sometimes I just feel like I just, okay, you know what? I just don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I can't meet all the rules. I can't meet all the deadlines. And I, I, you know, I have to keep sorting through those things, by the way. And that's normal, right? I mean, I have to just keep sorting and sorting and sorting and sorting, right? I mean, I don't want to get too involved with psyche here, sorting out the seeds, but Right? I mean, but isn't that kind of what I'm doing? It's like you just, we just have to do that. And what we suggest is that the person who can help you the most is your partner. So we have a sharing process, as Barbara described, where you end up uh, asking your partner for what it is you need from them to support you to heal these old wounds. And we all have wounds from childhood, everybody does. But our partners can heal us, but we have to ask. So I asked Barbara, please, be really sensitive about criticizing me because I'm so sensitive that my mom never telling me I'm good enough. So I asked her 
to know that I'm sensitive about it and, and, and to help me to heal that. So I give her a whole bunch of things. Would she do this and this? Would she say this? Would she act in this way? So she tells me how great I am on a regular basis because I need to hear it because that heals me. Yep. And she needs for me to heal her wounds. So she has her wounds where, where she lost her natural father when she, when, when she was uh, two. She got, uh, mother got remarried and she lost her grandmother because the, they, they got remarried. And so she needs for me to, to, to make her feel like I am there for her. And she has all these things that she'll ask for me that heal her. So over time, we have healed each other of our parental stuff by making requests but we have to do that and then I realized that her requests are not done t to torture me and vice versa <laughs> we actually explain why we want them to do this go ahead Barbara well no that's that's the uh, ticket your your mother has um, she's launched you you're you're cooked um, there's there's nothing that's going to um, resolve itself with your mom your job is to, you know just to um, uh, appreciate she gave you life but your, your healing comes from your partnership with your wife. You know, it's so interesting because we literally had the conversation this morning. I said, honey, you know what I need from you? And I, I got this from this book, by the way, called The Marriage Map. I got this from that. I said, I made a request. You said, you know what? Sometimes you just got to make a request. And I said, honey, I just have a request. I said, I just need you from time to time just to tell me that you believe in me. Just, just tell me that you believe in me and that it, and if I don't do it perfectly, it's still okay that you still believe in me. And she said, I can do that. And I thought, well, that was easy. Yeah. <laughs> I should have asked for that before. What was I, what was I waiting for? And, 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 and so what we do to get real specific, the more specific you can be, the better. So if you can say, I need for you to tell me once a day how much you believe in me, or once a week, or, or whatever, or every time such and such happens. The more specific you can be, the more you're giving them clarity about how to do what you're asking for. I love that. I love that. I, I want to bring up something, though, in the book. You, you dance around it, but you, there's a piece in the book that the book really, when I finished reading this book, The Marriage Map, by the way, just just go to Amazon, look up The Marriage Map, get the book. One of the things that I saw in you, Michael, so much, and, and, and also in you, Barbara, but one thing I saw is being teachable. Because, Michael, I think one of the things that I saw in you in reading this book was how teachable you were. You are so teachable. And, you know, there's people who listen, but then there's people who will not only listen, but apply what they've listened to. That, to me, is teachability and or coachability. And I found the most fabulous thing about you in reading this book was just how teachable you were. I mean, whether it was the tree, whether it was Barbara, you know, dragging you off, and I'm not saying she did, but maybe taking you to these different courses and sessions as you were moving along, um, or whatever it was, you were so teachable. And I just found that amazing. It didn't always show up as teachable. <laughs> so, so the time those, the second marriage, the four years when we were really both in this warrior stage and just colliding with each other, that was difficult. We almost got divorced then. The thing that stopped me from getting divorced was 
we had kids who were like five and seven years old. I said, damn, I'm not going to get divorced. I'm going to make this work. And there was nothing logical about that decision. It was not a logical decision. It wasn't about what was going to make me happy. It was a decision based upon nothing other than I'm going to make this work no matter what because I have these kids. And so because of that, I was willing to turn myself inside out and make it work. But being a, being a teachable, it wasn't like... Uh, it, it, now I, I, I may be a lot more like that, but there was a long time where... It was difficult. You want to say something? Yes, the warrior stage is a stage of 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 confidence and tremendous self righteousness. And we were both um, uh, strong minded, uh, strong willed, determined point of view. Michael had his point of view. It was a struggle, and uh, that's another you know inevitable stage couples go through. And it's it's so easy to give up there. Because it's um, it's disconnected, it's angry, it's can be mean, um, and um, it's an, it's inevitable because you be, you're two strong, self-defined individuals who are um, you know uh, condescending and um, uh, and and uh, very assertive. And and we wrote the book because we want all couples to know that you have to have something bigger than your own desire for happiness to move through these stages. Because when you're going to go through these transitions, it's not happy. But you can go through it, and your life will be bigger, more intensely pleasurable, fulfilling than any way you could have imagined before. And, and, and I want to say something about that because there's another word that can, just seems to crop up in this book over and over again for, and even as I listen to you uh, both, and that is the word commitment. We don't we don't talk about that, but I mean, you two were absolutely committed. You didn't necessarily feel good. You didn't necessarily like it, but you were committed to making this work. And I, I think that's such a foundational piece of, of the marriage is, you know what, you may not like each other very much right now, but if you're committed to the relationship, you'll, you'll find a way to make this darn thing work. It's, it's not just working. It's also finding, you know, finding new love with the same person. And it's... Um, you know, I, I really believe that uh, the inevitability of these stages means that you find another partner and you'll deal with the same stuff with another person. Absolutely. Uh, and so it's you may as well, uh, you know, you may as well learn with with our first partner and protect our our families, protect yeah. our children. Yeah, the lowest common denominator is always ourselves. Right. I mean, people who have four marriages, I always I always say, I said, you know what? What's the lowest common denominator? You you've had four marriages. So something because we just bring the same thing into one relationship after another. I want to talk about this warrior stage because this warrior stage, I think, is such a predominant uh, piece of our society. Mm-hmm. We have. Both the, the husband and wife are pursuing careers, and they're on this parallel 
track that seems to get wider and wider and wider as they grow in their careers because they're trying to reestablish their identity, they're trying to reestablish themselves and who they are and their self and they're they're wrapped up in who and all of a sudden the relationship starts to deteriorate. I see this a lot. I'm sure but I see this in in my everyday life in consulting companies who you know the husband is the CEO of a company, the wife is she's got her own gig going. They have no relationship. They just live together, right? So how do we deal with this warrior stage? How do we deal when we've got two people who are seeking their own, trying to satisfy themselves in their own careers and are trying to make this work? Because certainly you have experience in that. Yes. So what we teach, we have a class that is for two-hour sessions that we do in person and we also do it online. And we give you specific skills so that you and your partner learn these specific skills that you weren't born with. You have to learn, just like there's no way to play basketball, baseball, ballroom dancing without specific skills. You've got to learn the skills. Once you have the skills down, you practice them. You don't get perfect in it right away, but you practice it. And those skills, they, they force you to look at your partner and see how different they are from you. They are different. Absolutely. Their desires, the way they see the world, their, the, the way they understand things, it's different than the way you understand them and see them and desire them. And you become closer to appreciating that this is a different kind of human being than you are with the man-woman kind of stuff that are different and the personal, uh, the family uh, of origin stuff. And when you appreciate the differences, you can begin to love them for whom they are as different than you, and they begin to love you for whom you are as different. And when you can appreciate those differences, that moves you up to the phase after warrior. But this is not something that happens in a month or two. This is a process. Take some years, and you learn to appreciate that. But when you get to the next phase, the amount of love that you experience every day in life is so much bigger. Your heart opens. You cry a lot from happiness. And it's, it's, it's a lovely place to move into, but it takes the work. Barbara, would you like, would you like to add to that? Well, just that we, te- we teach couples how to talk about what really matters to each other. And um, you, have to let, you have to consciously learn how to create relationship. And, um, uh, and I think there is a natural desire to want to connect uh, we just don't, we just forget how to do that when we're uh, focused on ourselves. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I you know, you talk both of you talked in the book about humility being so important in in the terms of the relationship and building the relationship together, and I believe that's true. And of course, you know, the other side of that is you know our selfishness, right? Our pride gets in the way of humility, and I think it I think it it's so hard. I, I don't know if it's harder for men. I can only speak from a male's perspective. But I, I can tell you that my pride and my ego and my own selfishness to do what I want to do when I want to do it gets so much in the way of getting outside myself and going, I have another person in this room that I have to really devote my time to and my love to because I love this person. I've, I've loved her for 20 years. I'm going to continue loving her longer than that until death do us part because I absolutely she's my buddy she's my best friend 
she's the she's my lover she's that's my wife and i i love her and i want to do i i was thinking about this the other day she doesn't know it but she likes to start her day with hot lemon water i literally would go through all the lemons at the store to find the perfect seven lemons for her so that she has the perfect lemon and i thought why am I doing this? And I go, you know why I do this? Because I love her. I want. I don't want her to have seven average lemons. I want her to have seven perfect lemons for each day of the week. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool. That was pretty cool that, you know, okay. But, but I also know that my own selfishness and pride and ego gets in the way. How do you, how do you get somebody to a place of seeing their own selfishness and pride and getting them to a place of humility. What's your, what's your, what's your plan for that? Or how, what, what do you teach there? Well, we, um, we, we model and we teach skills where, um, it's, it becomes clear to our couples that, uh, in, in a conversation, in a conflict, there's two valid points of view. There's always two rights in a conversation. And, um, we force couples to hear each other, and um, you you hear the organic wholeness of your partner's point of view. It's so different from yours, and yet your the the skills we teach forces you to really um, be with the reality and truth of another human being, and and then side by side is your own point of view, your own truth, and uh, it's a um, uh, it's a it's, that stretches your mind. And it actually makes you uh, bigger for the projects you have in life. So there's an evolutionary value to uh, what you learn in your cu- couple partnership. Your brain actually gets bigger. It can contemplate bigger thoughts. But um, uh, you know, unless you're forced to learn this, by, I, I believe um, uh, pain forces us to, uh, to learn these things. And, um, but it, it opens up life to being so much bigger and richer. And um, it's, it's it's lovely to um, to uh, you know it's 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 precious in life to not just be about yourself and um, the, you know the the conflicts we have as partners um, requires us to break through all that and so I believe in it for lots of reasons and we just make people learn. Well, I I just I just know that humility is so important to the relationship to be solid and secure. I just know that. I, I just know that putting aside your ego and, and and listeners, I hope you really are listening to this because our egos can just just get so much. Our pride can get so much in the way of what's best for our partner. And you know, I just know that reading this book, The Marriage Map, is just what what great. I, I love I love the parables, the analogies, the mythology. I love the again, I love the story of Percival that you do, Michael. I love um, the Grail Castle and Percival's fail, first failure and yet his commitment to wanting to see it. And then, you know, Barbara, you tell the story of Psyche and Eros and and you go through and you and she she looks at his face when she promised not to and then she has to go to Aphrodite and she sends her on this wild goose chase of the, all these things that she has to do and how you both were able to pull the things that you pulled out of those two stories was magical mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seriously both of you it was absolutely magical I cannot tell you those were the, I, I know these stories right from grad school and, and reading on my own and I know these stories and I never 
I never pulled out what you pulled out of them. And so it was a beautiful thing to see these stories. And well, ladies and gentlemen, please please read this book, The Marriage Map, uh, the, the Road to Transforming Your Marriage from Ordeal to Adventure. This is a fabulous book. Go to Amazon. Just look up The Marriage Map. And and by the way, just, just type in Marriage Map and then type in Grossman, G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N. It's a really simple way to get right to it. It's available at Kindle and paperback. And if you if you really are like going, oh, well, I don't feel like I can spend the money. Okay, you know what? Here's what you do. Why don't you go to the marriagemap.com and why don't you see what they have available for them for you right there at the marriagemap.com because I'm telling you it's a just amazing wealth of information and sources that's going to help you whether you're married, whether you've been married a long time, short time, or you're not married at all and you're prepping for marriage. I'm telling you this book is worth every penny to help you in your life and your relationship with your spouse because it shouldn't just be two people living together. You should love each other and you should want to experience each other in a really amazing way. And I am always feel so blessed that I have a wife who is willing to enter in. And I know that that's not true of everybody. And I know it's not true of all the people who are watching or listening. And the grossmen's know this too. And so they offer courses that you can actually take online or go and to help you. And I really highly suggest that you really seek them out. Just go to the marriagemap.com and check them out. And then also, if you feel like you're just such a social media person and you go, I don't do I don't do websites anymore, okay, that's fine. Go to Facebook and just look up the marriage map and then play, type in marriage map and you'll get to their Facebook page. And I promise you, you can contact them through there and you can get all the information that you need as well because um, this is absolutely... Uh, a great book. My wife and I are going to read it again and again and again and again because it's been such a, uh, it's, it's a really great book. You, you both have been a gem and uh, I am really privileged and honored to have you with, with me on the show and uh, I can't thank you. So why don't you, why don't you wrap us up? If you had, you know, if you want to tell folks one thing, each of you, one thing or maybe a couple things that would help them in their life and marriage, what would that be? And I will start with Barbara. Well, there is a, there is a journey for a woman and a journey for a man um, that is unique and important, and it, and it takes place in your relationship. And um, uh, I want to inspire you to go on that journey and fulfill the, your, your personality in this lifetime. And um, take your commitment to your partner seriously, and um, grow yourselves and grow your your marriage. It is um, it is a um, a journey that's worth worthwhile, very satisfying, and it it grows not only your marriage, your, it uh, supports your family, it enriches our society. Michael, well, I encourage everybody to take our classes. Uh, for two-hour classes. It will change your life. We love doing it. There's nothing I love more than that. Go to the website, sign up for one of our classes. Uh, it is so life-changing. Simple skills, but you get to meet us and get to know us, and I love doing that more than anything else. That's awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye.